0: This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent.
1: Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Our last podcast, we talked about sales. I want to extend that a little further today and talk about something that we all have to deal with, and that is objections.
0: I don't have to deal with objections. I don't agree with you.
1: That's like a normal Tuesday in our conversations.
0: I'm not buying what you're selling. Today's market, right? That's something
1: that we all, whether we're agency owners or producers, or that's something that we have to deal with in this hard market. We're hearing that even more than we used to.
0: We're going to continue to hear this for the foreseeable future. And it's this thing around we take stuff personal that sells 101. You have to learn very early on in your sales tenure that people saying no to you is part of it. People not wanting to buy for some reason, positioning yourself away from a price only play, which is hard right now. I get it. Shane, I can't overcome a 50% price increase. I get it. Okay. But what we have to figure out is how to position away from the price segment and into the value segment. And it is being done successfully by so many agents. And it is being done well. And those agents that position themselves in that value chain early on are just not experiencing the same type of hard market as those that position themselves as a price play. There's no better way to say that. I talked to agents on both sides of that spectrum over the last couple of weeks. And the conversation couldn't be different. It's just, and even down to my policy enforce count isn't growing at a very strong pace, but my premium's growing, my revenue's growing on the value side. And then even if your revenue's growing over here, the price guy is like, the world is ending, the sky is falling, I'm done, I'm going to sell, I'm out. It's just so polar opposite.
1: The thing about the price objection is for some reason, I've always felt like this is one of the easiest objections to hop over into a sale because you really pretty much know what the challenge is. And there are so many ways to, for one thing, not get to that. Understanding that our goal right now is that we've got to beat renewal pricing and not current pricing. We know that most clients want to keep paying their current amount and they're not going to be able to. Really and truly, what we are trying to do is beat the renewal pricing that they're seeing everywhere else if they're shopping. Yeah, or just
0: be in the ballpark of that. I don't even think you have to beat it. You just have to be competitive around it. It's going to be a pretty good sales effort to piece a new business come in at double or 50 percent higher than they're renewing premium, not their expiring premium, but that's not going to be your client. Like you can't get hung up on that. You've got to move on. Some agents I've heard say I'm being more selective about how many or who I'm going to actually spend my energy on. They're not spending their energy on the accounts that they're just not even close to. The ones that are having success are selectively spending their energy on the ones that they can actually compete with. And I don't mean be the best price, compete with in value price combination, and at least be in the ballpark. And I see a lot of agents get really hung up on I'm twice as high. How am I supposed to compete with that? Well, you're not. Your carriers just don't fit that risk. Move on. And Set it up in your system, drip on them, come back around, the market changes, you never know. That's just the game that has to be played around this type of market cycle.
1: And set yourself up as the agent that if the price were the same, they're going to always want to do business with you. And if you set yourself up in that position, a few dollars here and there are not going to make a difference to have them switch And if it does, they weren't your client. They were your transactional customer.
0: This is a big thing. And this is really important right now, in my opinion. And again, it's one of those things that when you're sitting in the middle of it, it's hard to see, but slow down. Now, don't throw the eggs at me. Just listen for a second. Everybody's in such a hurry. Everybody is moving at such a fast pace, trying to keep up with their sales numbers. Slow down and spend some effort. Give some time. Give some expertise. Start building an audience. I heard a great comment the other day about building an audience is about giving first. Start down that path. Go and give that expertise. And there may be a situation where you're talking to a new prospect and your answer may need to be, if you're okay with this missing coverage or this deductible, then I would renew where you are. The power in walking away from a set and telling that prospect, obviously there's a little bit of subliminal sarcasm there. If you're okay with that deductible, if you're okay with the fact that you're missing these coverages because you're giving expert advice here, you've seen what they have, you ought to renew where you are because that's probably going to be your best deal. I haven't met a lot of prospects That didn't respect that and then question in the back of their mind whether they should actually do. And you may win business being the higher priced option simply because you pointed out some coverage concerns, some deductible concerns. Maybe you have a better offering in the end, but it's not apples to apples, so you'd look off. It doesn't look like it's squared up. But remember, the consumer doesn't really get it. They don't know most of the time. It's too complicated. There's an audience building opportunity if you're willing to just deep breath, slow down and not be in this, I got to close five sales today or else. That depends on your life stage, agency stage. I get it. But that's one of my pet peeves right now is we're trying to go too fast, do too much, and we're not being intentional
1: enough. So we have the price objection and there are ways to pretty efficiently handle that or let it go. But there are these objections that are out there that You've probably used them. I've probably used them. We've all heard them. So let's talk about them. And what are the ones that selling radio, being in the marketing advertising world? The number one objection that I used to always get was the, I need to talk to my spouse or I need to talk to my business partner or I need to talk to X, Y, Z, and then I'll get back with you. And that's one of those objections that if you're not prepared to handle and you don't have a process set up for it, then that's a sale that's lost because people are pretty much telling you no, they just don't want to tell you no to your face.
0: Yes, deflection, right? Just say, hey, look, man, I don't believe in what you're selling. I don't want this. Sorry. Have a great day. There's these little cues that, if we think about one of our core values, making it personal, if we put ourselves in that buyer's seat, what if you said, I need to talk to my spouse, I need to call my brother in law, whatever? Isn't that the cue? Don't spend energy here. Is it really that we need to find a way to overcome this? Or do we need to just clue into the cue and take it and? move on.
1: This is one of those where I'm going to look at it as a maybe, but I'm not going to leave it open to let them call me back. I'm not going to get off that call and consider it a hot lead unless I have a follow-up appointment with them. Unless I know, okay, I'm going to give you a call back on Thursday at 10 o'clock. Does that work for you? Yes or no? If they say no, then yeah, that lead's gone. But if they do agree to a follow-up call, Then it's a maybe, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do next.
0: I don't know the correct answer in everybody's specific world right now, but this is what I see here. We do not have a shortage of leads right now, okay? Everybody's in the market. Everybody's willing to listen. Everybody's willing to let you quote them. Everybody's willing to let you give them a proposal. My logical brain says we do not have to hold on to these leads like they're the golden scepter. The
1: golden scepter? Yeah, I
0: don't know where that comes from. If we're holding on to a lead when there's a bunch of leads, then we need to stop chasing these leads like we're never going to get another lead. Now, in a super soft market where leads are golden, speaking of golden scepters, and they are just, oh my gosh, I got to maximize Every single lead I get my hands on because they're far and few between, then different story. But right now, capture prospect, capture information best you can, do your best job at proposing, at selling your expertise, at being who you are. And then if you've got the deflection or you've got this certain objection, then let's move on because we've got another dozen leads running at us. That's the thing that I'm trying to get my head around right now is I feel like we haven't made that adjustment. I talked to hitters all the time when I was coaching, make an adjustment. The pitcher's throwing outside, make an adjustment. The pitcher's throwing inside, make an adjustment. Guess what? The game has changed, make an adjustment. And we can't just always keep doing that thing we did during 10 years in the soft market during a hard market cycle and expect the same results. That's the part that I want to understand from my agent friends. If that's not something they see, what am I missing? Because I'm not getting that, that we're still chasing leads like it's a soft market.
1: That's because most people don't realize that they should be making that adjustment. They haven't had somebody say, hey, you've got to look at leads a different way in a hard market.
0: If you're listening to IA Forward, Please make an adjustment with the way you're handling your lead opportunities. All joking aside, I get it. It's hard to understand and get out of that habit. And it's a little bit of a deflection on my part because I don't really have a better answer for what you're talking about in this specific situation other than they don't want to say yes to you. So move on and find those leads that do want to say yes to you that you have a legitimate shot at that's okay. It's in our nature as salespeople. We just hate the no. We just want people to say yes and we want them to do business with us. And I understand that, but we also have a business to run and we also need to be profitable in this hard market. And there's a great opportunity to do that, but we may have to make an adjustment here.
1: Another objection that's similar to let me talk to my spouse about it is let me think about it.
0: Oh, I'm good at this. I do that all the time. What am I really doing when I say that? I'm going to flip this around. I'm going to be the consumer. Since I say this to most salespeople, marketers that come at me with stuff or my leadership team that comes at me with an idea, what I'm saying is I don't clearly understand if the value is there for me to be distracted enough to say yes. If I say yes to this. It's going to cause me to do something. So either the cost pain point is not high enough or the value isn't good enough for me to want to change directions and have to do something. So that's why I say, let me think about it. How do you overcome that? Because I say that to you a lot.
1: You do. And normally I go through a process in my brain of trying to get clarification of what part of it that you need to think about. Because usually there's one specific pain point or there's one specific something that's making everything not click. Usually it's communication because I speak Louisiana female and you speak East Texas male. And I sometimes speak marketing and you speak finance business. And we're actually saying the same thing. But to me, the biggest part of overcoming this objection with you and with most people is getting the clarification or really understanding what it is that you're not understanding.
0: I wholeheartedly agree that communication in general is the biggest obstacle in, I'm going to go ahead and say our world today. I'm going to be the pageant contestant. For a minute, oh
1: gracious! So we've already talked about the golden scepter. So now we're going down pageant contestants. Yeah.
0: So the answer to world peace, it's communication. Countries have gone to war over communication. People have gotten divorced and been fired and quit and all the negativity in the world, things that go bad in people's lives. Most of the time, it's because of really bad communication.
1: Mitt Smith ended up retiring because. Of a bad cell phone signal. I mean, communication.
0: Communication. Coaches getting the most out of their players. The generational divide between older coaches and younger players. Just communication. Being able to communicate and connect. I'm saddened that Dusty Baker has recently announced his retirement as coach of the Houston Astros. If you watched any of the Astros in the playoffs or any over the last couple of years, if you've just paid attention to Dusty Baker, he's like the biggest fan of these players. And he's so excited when they get excited or when they do something. He's like a proud dad. And he connects. His communication capability is really strong, just outside looking in. If you really look at it and you're really trying to deal with an objection, the majority of the time, you're not connecting because something's missing in your communication. You're either insurance speaking them and you need to plain language speak them. Something is going off the rails around your communication ability. And you need to think about that.
1: This is a valid response for some people that are more analytical thinkers rather than emotional buyers. And so it's not that this person is necessarily giving you a complete and total brush off. It could be that they really do have to assimilate the information. But it's okay. To ask that one extra question of, is there something specific that you need to think about that I can walk through with you? Or is there something that I said that doesn't make sense that I can clarify?
0: That's really fantastic. And I'm glad to know that now I can no longer say, let me think about it. I got to say, Tanya, you need to communicate that in a different way so that I understand it.
1: Oh, now you're using my words.
0: That's right. So it's your fault that I don't understand because you didn't communicate it correctly.
1: Something that Shane has heard from me probably thousands of times right now is uh, he'll ask me a question and my response will be, can you ask me that question in a different way? Because I want to make sure that the question that he's asking me is the question that I'm hearing. But usually something will go off in my brain to say, yeah, no, that's not really what he wants to know. And so having that phrase in your repertoire can really be helpful. There's a really great book called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. And it addresses that from a spiritual perspective. And I I love the idea of that because of the Waffle squares and that men put things in the different Waffle squares. And then there are some squares that are empty and men can go to empty squares. But women, most of us don't think that way. We think like spaghetti and that everything is intertwined and one thing leads to the next. And very rarely is there ever an empty space when it comes to thinking like men have.
0: I love the memes about, I bet he's thinking about something. And then the little bubble above his head is, I wonder how many miles there are between Venus and Pluto. And it's a hundred percent right. If we are trying to get better at communication and that helps us overcome objections, understanding that Our communication ability needs to take that into consideration. We need to be able to be clear whether we're a man selling to a woman selling to a man. It's just the way it is. Like We need to get that and understand that we need to make it personal. We need to be in the seat of the buyer. Try to see things how they see it. That's really critical in being able to close an opportunity or just present value in general.
1: So many of us do business by the golden rule, treat others the way you wish to be treated. And with all of the generational differences and even the male-female differences, sometimes we have to adjust that to be successful producers and treat people the way they want to be treated.
0: That's a really fair assessment. We've talked about this before in some youth group situations where my wife and I have been involved with our church and our youth group and teaching high school students. People are raised in different environments today. People don't always come from the same backgrounds. They don't always have the same experiences. And really understanding that is part of the communication gap, so to speak, in From a leadership standpoint, we have 31 employees and 120 some odd independent contractors in our organization. We're not all raised the same way. We don't always have the same beliefs, backgrounds, experiences, all those things. And so being able to communicate just within that scope is something that needs to be constantly learned and constantly improved. We can use those skills not to manipulate in a sales environment, but to be authentic.
1: If, let me think about it, is your number one response, I'm going to share mine. And that's, can you just email it to me? And when we start Uh, emailing quotes to people, then yeah, that's a hot mess express.
0: Yeah, they're done. Maybe there's the occasional, I just needed to see it, read it. It's another indicator that I really don't understand what you're talking about. So I need to actually read it if they're serious about that. It's one of those things where you leave it with them and you, okay, it may not come back. It may come back to you 10% of the time, or it may come back to you not at all, but you're not so emotionally invested in that lead to the point that you can't let it go. Like that's at the core, being so invested in, I have to get this lead goes down to that story you told about the car salesman that wouldn't let it go, like the test drive you had that time. They're calling you every day for 30 days or whatever it was.
1: They're still texting me. They still want to sell me that BMW out of Biloxi, Mississippi. To this day, no matter how many times I ask them to stop.
0: There's a point in time where you're just annoying. Now you're never going to buy a car from them. This is just the part of they'll come back if they need to move on.
1: What are your thoughts on if you do send a quote or two with three options, which remember, Miss Tanya is here. The confused mind does nothing. So if right. you're sending them two and three options to read through, you're never going to talk to them again. I would suggest sending one and then sending a video proposal explaining it to go along with it quick short video most people are not me most people enjoy watching video and they're going to get it quicker faster and more efficient and respond to you with video than sending them pages and pages of quotes
0: 90 seconds or less probably
1: always always I would say 60 seconds or less but 90 seconds or less it it may take that long but yes if you go over 90 seconds you've lost them
0: I'm going to buy from people today that I have a good experience with. And I may be an unusual consumer at this stage of my life. Yes, there are price considerations. I don't want to act like I would just buy it just because no matter what the price is. But the experience can overcome the price. And if I have a really good experience with someone and I feel like they're being authentic, and they're trustworthy, and I'm trusting their process, then I'm buying. And we had an experience a couple of months ago where I bought my wife a new vehicle. We decided it was time she was getting the vehicle that she'd always wanted, and I was at a spot where I could we could do this, and she's always wanted a BMW, and it was BMW X3. I'm a little concerned that these vehicles are going to end up in a mass market scenario because it was actually less expensive than several SUVs of similar size around Chevrolet, Ford, GMC, Toyota. And so you would immediately have thought BMW, okay, luxury, expensive. It's a, it's going to be an expensive vehicle. Really wasn't the case.
1: Now, maintenance is more expensive. We know this.
0: Yeah. So we got the maintenance issue there. We have a plan. We're going to trade. We're going to get into a trade cycle. And so this young man, this young salesperson that Just so happened to answer the call at this particular BMW dealership, I could tell this guy is from small town and I'm like, okay, this is making sense. He's being very low key. He's being very non-pushy. He's answering my questions. He's sending me a text. He's doing all the things, but at no point is he ever like pushy annoying, whatever. His experience, like he could have come back and said, oh, we forgot about this and it's going to be an extra $5,000 and I'm buying. At the point that I became comfortable with this particular salesperson. I literally was buying this car because I trust him because he gave me an incredible experience and we'll probably going to be in an X3 forever at this point, because that's how great of an experience, great of a car, all these things that all went into this. And I naturally go to that and go, okay, how can we be that? How can we be the insurance expert, risk management, advisor, insurance agent? How can we give our customers those experiences so that they're buying from us pretty much no matter what? And $100 a month, $1,000 $1,000 increase a year, these things are not going to change their minds to stop doing business with us. Once you reach that trusted advisor level and the experience overcomes all of those objections in a bucket, experience beats everything.
1: I've talked with several agents that don't like to email over a quote at this point during the sale, especially if it seems like an objection situation because they have the theory that the prospect is just going to take it right back to their current insurance agency agent and try to use it for leverage and try to start having two agents that are playing against each other.
0: I have a really interesting experience attempting to hire a CSR several years ago in that realm of the first time they applied for the job, we made our offer. They were a good fit. We thought everything on paper fit. They called me back in two days later and say, unfortunately, they were going to Decline the job offer because their current employer gave them a raise? My answer was very simply, okay, I understand. Is there a reason that you applied in the first place where money wasn't going to overcome the issue? Oh no, it's a good place to work. I was just, it was a really caught them off guard kind of question. About a year and a half later, had another opportunity come open, posted this particular employee at this other agency, applied a second. Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, however that saying goes. This particular employee applies again. I've got this thing in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, they really are the right fit. We interview again in the interview. Now, if I offer you this job, I want you to be aware that if you go back to your employer and they try to keep you with a raise again, what are you going to say? Because I need to understand this because this is the only reason I want to make you this job offer is that we're on the same page. Oh no, I'm taking this job if you offer me the job. Okay, great. I want to offer you the job. The next day, I'm sorry. I'm going to decline the job because my current employer gave me a raise. Okay. This kind of story and the reason I'm going on this path is I will absolutely never hire this person ever. I will never interview them again. I believe that there is that prospect out there, obviously, but I didn't stop interviewing people and I didn't stop doing things the way that we do things because someone burnt me. You have to take that same approach. Like You can't stop being who you are, worrying about what people are going to do with that information. Does that mean that you never want to quote them again if you find out they did that? Sure. Walk away. They're not your people. Be done with that. But at the same time, I don't feel like you can change who you are and be fearful of this prospect taking things back. Because if that's all it is, it's just a price game anyway. That's not your person. It's not who you are as an agency. You don't want that customer anyway. Let them go back to their agency. Let them Use it as leverage and let them be that agency's customer. But go ahead and note that file that this is what happens so that when they come back again, that you decline and say, I'm sorry, we're just not interested. Now, if you really want to set the stage for that prospect getting a little uncomfortable, then just tell them you're not interested in doing business with them. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking my Justin Hoosman mindset. Shout out to Justin for his ability to be logical and say, that's just not your person. Move on. It's okay. There's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of prospects in the world. Just move on.
1: Fun fact about Justin. Did you know that he once wrote his diary for two years in ancient runes?
0: I did not. That's very Justin.
1: Yes. And we're talking about Justin Hoosman at the Phoenix Insurance in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and absolutely an incredible gentleman, incredible agent, and we love working with him. So I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Jonah Oliver. It's not about positive thinking. It's about taking positive action no matter what you feel.
0: Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at integraagent.com. That's integraagent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at iaforward.com.